This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best AW podcast. It's AB. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, it was something where this morning we kind of didn't know where things were going to be going tonight. But boy, did we get a fun and interesting show that kind of cropped up. Kind of hard to do a morning show when you don't know a whole lot about it. But, you know, I felt like it went well. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, Yeah, I'm doing good. We would have to basically record our preview show at like 5.30. Uh, to get everything that's exactly (laughs) when tony khan starts tweeting out the rest of the matches for the show so oh well we talk in the mornings uh we're also joined by nate aka epitasis what's up nate hello what's up that's okay that uh you know the card was a little late in coming today because you were able to get in some good glate chat that's absolutely right yeah i mean big glate fan here (laughs) I don't, Nate, I, are you a member of, Bork, of the Bulk Orchestra, or are you sticking with Strong Hearts here? Uh, I'm a Strong Hearts guy going way back um, to, oh yeah, to the, to the, oh shit, what was the Chinese promotion called? I'm not bailing you out of this. I'm going to see you try oh, to pull this out. <laughs> the, the Shanghai 48 was there. Maybe that was the idol group. That was it the was idol some... group attached to them. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Shoot. Uh, they did the press conference and, uh, one of the Jacksons said that they said the, the wrong names, so like wild hearts will be here. Good hearts, but you know, Good hearts. You, you, you're on the right path here. Mm. I, are you going to tap out? Well, no, you... I don't, I'm not actually getting any closer. To, oh, OWE. There we go. I knew it was right on the tip of your lips. I knew it. I, That's why I was going to give you help. You're going to pull yeah, yourself so I'm, up. I'm a strong hearts fan going all the way back to OWE, of course. Um, actually going back further than that. Cause I really, the only time I really was into dragon gate and watched it was the millennials era. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm a strong hearts guy. Nate actually, that... Nate actually signed one of those idol style contracts with Shima. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Nate's it stuck is, here for another uh, seven years. It's okay. Right. It is, um, you know, a huge burden on my personal finances, because uh, I just get a really a monthly stipend from from SEMA and uh, I'm not making anything from his various forays into Gleet, Glate or the New Japan Cup. Uh, but, you know, just happy to be associated with greatness, really. And I was all- neither, neither of you mentioned the, uh, at least I don't think, the... Uh, official Glate theme song by Yoko Shimomura, who they did shell out the money to com- uh, commission <laughs> a theme song from. You, you know, I, I I know that you and Shima have a close bond, being Blinks. So I, True. I, I should have known that you're a Stronghearts fan through and through. I don't know if I made this clear on the on light, but I've never watched Glate at all. I don't. Oh, I mean, no, neither have I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, how but do you that, feel? That doesn't mean I can't be a fan. <laughs> That's, you're exactly right. How do you feel about Nosawaism? Uh, well, we discussed this a little bit in the, D, in the DM. I mean, I don't. 
I don't support Nosawaism. I support Nosawa and everything that he does. I think Nosawa is one of the all-time great characters in pro wrestling. Um, and it seems there was a report, I understand, from VOW today about kind of the corner that Nosawa was in with his booking and putting the GHC title on Fujita. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's not I, – I don't ever want to see – Fujita, really. I mean, you know, all this is theoretical because I'm not going to watch it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, who's the other? Who's the other MMA guy that they had? Funaki. Well, Matsukatsu Funaki was yeah. a yeah, but also Sakuraba. L- l- like basically all the names other than Takeda they have in Noah now. Yeah, if they melted up uh, Funaki, I think I would enjoy it more. Uh, but Fujita really, even as a amusing character, doesn't do anything for me. Nate, uh, Funaki is the GHC national champion right now. Oh, well, there you go. It's okay, so they were going to do a title versus title program anyway. So just have both belts on <laughs> Funaki, and then I'll be all in. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was thinking about this after we talked this morning, Mike. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, Fujita, new Noah ghc champion and he's old that's that's the bit that we're working on here well uh, it's wide, not just that he is he's wide he's bald he he's... He, he doesn't job and he does he goes into business for himself that's the thing about ironhead yeah i mean that all is sounds cool to me uh but i was just thinking about this like have you ever tried to fight a 50 year old i mean they're fucking wily. Like, they know a lot. I mean, this is the thing about Nosawaism. He understands that once you turn 50, you can't get your ass kicked by anyone younger than 50. I mean, that's the thing. So I've never fought a 50-year-old. This does take me back to being like, I don't know, a middle schooler and going over to my neighbor's house and playing basketball in the driveway or whatever. And every once in a while, his, his old-ass dad would come out. And we'd play like two on one against his dad. Not you know, his dad is probably in his forties or whatever, but he was big dude and he'd sweat through his shirt all the time and he'd just back us down in the post, like two of us at the same time. And that's uh probably not dissimilar from uh fighting Fujita. Exactly. So I just I think it makes sense when you really stop to think about it that uh guys like Fujita and well, not as much Muda, who's like fucking know. can barely walk. But. but those, you know, I mean, it's not like the, there are young young guys in Noah for sure, but there's also like not young top guys there who are also very strong. That's but they're true. not 50. That's the thing. They have to be mm. 50. Could That could be it. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm just stoked because eventually I'm he's going to bring in. <laughs> I'm 50. <laughs> I kick and I stretch. That's Fujita should do a Mary Catherine Gallagher gimmick. <laughs> I, I I mean, you know who really should, Nate? Uh, Fujita? Well, uh, even better than that, there's one person that Nosawa really loves that he has not been able to get over to Noah yet. And that's Mil Mascaris. Mil <laughs> Mascaris doing Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yeah, it's got potential. I wonder if there's any uh, Mary Catherine Gallagher luchadors. On, on obscure <laughs> lucha robot posters. Any any luchadors named after SNL characters from the nineties, I would love to see. Uh just put up the the lucha blog 
Los uh, cheerleaders, and it's Will Ferrell and Cheerio-Tan. <laughs> I was <laughs> trying to think We of know like... you listen. We know you listen. Let us know. Yeah, I was trying to think of like the Batman. What the, the signal? You know, we need to put up the Cubs fan signal for this one. Let's see. There's got to be one. There has to be one. Mill mess. I don't know. Gary <laughs> Catherine Gallagher. Was SNL uh, on in Mexico? They must have some. They might have their own version of SNL, actually. There's a lot of international SNLs. All right. I'm willing to believe that. <laughs> okay. I guess Aaron's done. I just don't know anything about it. <laughs> I've literally never heard of an international SNL. Oh, there's yeah, got to be like a, It's like a Polish SNL. It's an really? Italian SNL. Pretty sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's I mean I don't know that they were all succeeded and carry on to this day but they definitely franchise it out. Oh so this was like this came from Lauren Michaels or NBC. Yeah, I, I believe so. Huh. It's like also, you ever see uh Russian Everybody Loves Raymond? I can't say I did. <laughs> there was a documentary. Huh. I don't Saw know that, a lot about uh, international television. I want to say Angelica Film Center, I went to see that documentary about some fucking guy. I don't know who the guy was who just went over and did like some a documentary about the popularity of <laughs> Russian Everybody Loves Raymond and like went to like the blown out TV studio where it was filmed and shit. Well, I mean, obviously I'm going to Google this now and try to find out about it. Everybody Loves Raymond. Check it out. Russia. Put it on oh, your letterbox. Exporting Raymond. Exporting Raymond, there it is. It's the name of the film. Uh, Jim Zarnecki was a producer. Oh, is wait, that, that someone? Must not be the not be the guy I was thinking of. I thought he was the guy <laughs> from uh, capturing the Freedmans. Hmm. Like I thought he. I mean, the guy who filmed that. it was definitely a guy, or he had some relation to the original show or something. Yeah, it's uh, Phil from Somebody Feed Phil. Like he is a showrunner that went to uh, Moscow to make this made. So yeah, is that a YouTube? Is that a thing? Everybody no. feed Phil. Somebody feed Phil is on. Somebody Netflix. feed Phil. Oh yeah, not familiar. I'm only familiar with his film work. <laughs> I, you, you know, I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> Damn it! There's something. Oh, he was. Uh... Phil Rosenthal was a writer and producer of Coach. Oh. With Craig T. Never Nelson. saw Coach. Sure. You never saw Coach? I mean, no. Coach you is were watching Coach? Yeah, yes. I watched Coach. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely, I watched Coach. Yeah. You're supposed to be watching, like, um, what was it? <laughs> what was the TV block with, like, Sister Sister on it? Yeah, I watched that, too. Sister, sister. Well, that's what you're you supposed ever... to be watching at that age, not coach. Uh, wings. Loved Wings. Oh, fucking loved Wings. As soon as you said coach, I thought of Wings. Was that Tony Shalhoub? Never saw that either. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub was in it. Amy Asbeck. Uh, something Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas, Thomas Hayden, Hayden Church. Church. Sa- the Sandman himself. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not drinking any fucking Merlot. That's right. Uh, and of, of Stephen course. Weber. Yeah, Stephen Weber. Of course, on coach, Jerry Van Dyke. Wow, is that, I yeah. loved Wings. I just any relation I don't know. to Dick Van Dyke? Yeah, it's his brother. Oh. <laughs> okay. I just I fucking loved <laughs> not as famous as a kid. Just watched them all. Well, yeah, I mean that's 
That's all you had to do at that time. That's right. <laughs> There's no internet. You had to read a book or watch a sitcom. And I wasn't reading anything. I read a lot, honestly. But I liked uh, fucking Walker, Texas Ranger. You had to read. You had to either watch Coach or read Judy Bloom. Is that a <laughs> sure. poll? Yeah, Judy Bloom. <laughs> that's good. Trying to think of young adult uh, books that are not Harry Potter from that era. Goose. I mean, you could just say Goosebumps, you know. Okay, Goosebumps. But I'm, I'm not a horror guy, so I never would have thought of that. Okay. That's fair. Now I'm trying to figure out what else was on the block. Sideways with... stories oh, the, from... The TGIF lineup. That's what I was thinking of. Not must-see TV. TGIF, I think. Oh, man. Family Matters. Sister. Sister. That Hang was my Mr. shit. Cooper. Family Matters. Family yeah, Matters. Oh yeah. You got your Family Matters. You got Step by Step. Ah. Step by Step. You got uh, Boy Meets World. Not a Boy Meets World guy. Oh, Not... come on. Get nah. out of here. Nah. Neither was I. Ugh. Thank you, Nate. Disgusting. Well, you got America's Sabrina. Funniest Home Videos. That's what we put on in the homestead was America's Funniest Home Videos. R.I.P. to Bob Saget. But that was the one where the whole family gathered around. Man, that was, I forget where I was, but that was on the other day. And it was like, like, remember this? Like, this was YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is just like the funniest shit you could possibly imagine. I was watching <laughs> some dad get hit in the nuts by a, you know, fucking ball off a tee. Just Trampoline like, injuries. Yes. Just a whole lot of concussions. Did y'all ever see the reboot of TGIF? Oh, not TGIF. Uh, America's Funniest Home's Video. America's Funniest Home's Tom Bergeron? After Dark? No, this oh, is another one. After Dark? No. Yeah. Parents are just peaked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, calm down. It's not that horny. They just made, they just made like, PG-13 comments about it. And Bob Sackett came back and he was working <laughs> a little blue. And they had us like, welcome to, to America's Funniest Video's. After, After dark. dark. You guys so remember insinuating like, it. You guys remember the shows like California Dreams? No. When he Faintly. said America's funny some videos After Dark, I did think of the other like total trash like syndicated TV I would watch when I was like 13 or whatever because I was desperate to see <laughs> anything with any kind of sexual content. So it was yeah. like the terrible uh syndicated game show strip poker that would come on at like oh i didn't see that one 11 p.m yeah i used to get the we would get california dreams uh well it was just like a a morning it was the same type of thing as like tjf but it was like a saturday morning block of shows i think Hmm. you had like california dreams you had uh something about basketball that i can't remember but now i I wonder but now I want to tell a funny story about uh, looking for sexual content as a child, which was we would get the little This is books. two weeks in a row for us. I know. We would get the little books for like HBO or Showtime or like whatever we subscribe to, you know, that you could flip through. And I would literally just go through looking for the ones that said nudity and <laughs> like basically writing down myself a schedule of like, okay, <laughs> this movie comes on Saturday at 11 and it's got tits. Got to watch it. Did Mr. Skin change your life, Aaron? Actually, I didn't know about Mr. Skin until what was knocked like up. this Seth Rogen. Yeah, knocked, knocked up. up. I was like, I'd never heard of that. I think I'd already seen all the movies by then. 
with, so, with nudity in them. So I've All been watching every movie, <laughs> everyone, everything that's nudity. In it. So I've been watching through the uh, Below Deck uh, franchise <laughs> of reality shows lately, and they had Mr. Skin on, and that's why that oh, was wow. that came right to my forefront. Hmm. And let does me he look you, like Mr. Clean? I imagine him like Mr. Clean. No, but he has like the hair implants and you know the the like the teeth that you can expect. Uh, he's also somewhat behind Naked News too. Like this oh. guy is just really getting himself, uh, really got himself put over in like the the pseudo softcore market. You know, the Thomas Edison of our age. I mean, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> so Naked News. California Dreams was like they were trying to redo Say by the Bell, basically. Now, was this the block that had the show where uh, it was, there were like a high school in the city and there was like a basketball yeah, court city on guys. the roof? Yes, yeah, city and, guys. And Rob Van Dam was on an episode? Uh-huh. Yep. You had that. Okay. Hang Time was the show I was also thinking of. It was about basketball. I remember mm. Hang Time. Yeah. I remember Hang Time. Yeah. Is that NBA Hang Time with Ahmad Rashad? No, now oh. this was Reggie Theus in a show yeah. about, oh. uh, you Reggie know, about Theus. basketball. But Reggie NBA Theus. Inside Stuff was also in that block of programming. Now we're remembering some guys, Reggie Theus, along with yeah. Saved by the Bell, the new class was also right. Okay, I remember this. this. Yeah, this was uh, very important in my life. I want to say that like Dick Buckus was on yes. for a while of Hang Time. Yeah, he was. That's correct. Yeah, there we go. I mean, famous not, tweeter, Dick Buckus. <laughs> not just on for a time. He was like a star of the show, Dick Buckus. Man, NBA Inside Stuff used to have like music videos where they would cut together all these highlights and they were just the coolest thing. There was yeah. one to Republicas Ready to Go that I must have watched 15 times. Oh, man. Anthony Anderson was on Hang Time. He's, he's canceled. He's now, been though, around. Right? I, I think so. Well, it didn't take. I think he had had allegations and he's he's still working. Well, that's usually how it goes. But still working in, you know, mainstream TV or something. Like, I think he's, sure. I think, see on the new Law and Order, maybe Law and Order's coming back. Wasn't he blackish too? Oh, yeah. I think he was on blackish. Yeah. Show with the famous Kazuchika Okada reference. Wait, they did a, another show called Mixedish? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, speaking of things coming back like Law and Order, I don't know that this got a lot of traction because I saw people tweeting like, wow, a Wrestle and Romance reference. But Tenryu is bringing it back. That was just announced. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. He, he announced that like last week. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Like half of those titles ended up in Dragon Gate. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> You know, he's, yeah, we'll see. He, he might just come out of retirement. Who knows with that guy? He's a wild card. He is. All right. If you want to talk more about, uh, you know, weird shows you watched as a kid, you can find us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. We tweet about that a lot there. Uh, I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, y'all, with two eyes. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, whatever podcast app you use. If you use the Apple Podcast app, Give us a five-star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five-star rating, please. And Linktree, linktree.ee slash everything AEW. You can find a lot of our stuff there. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. We've got some sick stuff over there, folks. 
We'll talk about it later. Uh, let's get into the show. Let's play Elite or Delete. It's, you know, that part where we talk about what we thought was good and bad from this week's episode of Dynamite. Nate, kick it off. What was your favorite thing from this week's show? Well, I think I'll pick this because I, I don't expect either of you to. I'm going to go with the MJF promo on this show. Um, I was very impressed with what a big swing this was and the degree to which it succeeded because uh, this was a tough thing to do. You have a guy who is has been a heel his entire career, who is, you know, uh, consistently a, a troll and a heel and a cheap heat elemental in this promotion uh, and gets, you know, just tremendously booed every time he comes out there. Uh, and he went out there to do this promo to really give some more depth to the CM Punk angle and, you know, what's motivating him in this CM Punk feud uh, and really flesh out what they've built uh, in the last few weeks with CM Punk talking about MJF growing up a CM Punk fan and, you know, really MJF tying this all back into CM Punk coming back into the company and uh, having walked out on wrestling, et cetera. Uh, and he went out there as this total heel and just cut a like personal narrative promo to the camera about uh, the difficulties in his, in his youth and in particular being Jewish and being one of the only Jewish people uh, in his school and the bullying and stuff that he uh, encountered as a result of that. Um, and that's like... <laughs> I mean, you can very easily imagine this going south and this guy going out there uh, and talking about specific uh, anti-Semitism that he encountered in front of a crowd that hates him uh, and the crowd being like, you know, boo, you deserve it. Shut up, et cetera. Uh, very, I mean, you know, it's a wrestling crowd. You, you don't have high expectations of a wrestling crowd regardless of, you know, what we would like to think about the, you know, the audience AEW is cultivated or whatever, you know, any wrestling crowd, you're always going to hear horror stories about the terrible people shouting things. And I'm sure there were terrible people shouting things in this audience. Uh, but despite that went out there and cut this promo, uh, I think showed more range than he has in most of his promos. You know, we, the, I think the usual knock that we put on him is, you know, we, he's obviously very confident. He's very poised, very professional. Um, but, you know, it can feel a little put on when he's just doing these cheap heat shtick uh, to try and take shots at his opponent or whatever. Uh, but we got kind of a different side of him here. And, you know, certainly you can still see that there was aspects of this that was still a performance. He's still doing a performance for the sake of the cameras and for the sake of the show. Uh, but I think he did it pretty, pretty convincingly and had his voice breaking. And uh, I was totally compelled throughout it. Um, thought it was a pretty wild choice uh and i think it succeeded about as well as it could have given that um and i found it to give this feud uh, an additional layer of like now we understand why these guys have been sniping at each other well you know maybe we don't understand the the first couple weeks where it was oh you know who can write the better uh diss joke and and get it out on television and you know, sort of doing this back and forth exchange about it. But now we've turned the feud into something more meaningful 
for both these characters. And, and like I said, kind of building on what CM Punk did last week in the dog collar promo. Uh, and we've got some nice continuity there. So it feels like we just have what this feud is really about now. Uh, like I said, it was a wild choice. It's, <laughs> it, I think it makes the further steps in this feud even more difficult probably to do what you want to do with these two characters. Um, cause this is the first time at all that they've been like added any sort of sympathetic element to the MJF character. Um, but I think that's probably important for if you want to make this character deeper and, you know, stand out more than just being, Oh, that kid's really good on the microphone. That kid's, you know, uh, got all the performance tools. That kid, uh, knows how to write a cheap heat joke and, and take a shot at a guy. If you want to make him more than that, then this is a, a big, bold step toward doing that. So, um, you know, then CM Punk came out and was like, hey, was that for real? And, you know, they they just kind of left it uh, and MJF walked off. Um, so, you know, probably the right way to end it. I don't know a better way to end it, really. Maybe MJF just goes to the back. Uh, but, yeah, big swing. Uh, there's somebody still doing big swings in this promotion after Cody left. Um, and this one I think succeeded and, or at least made more sense than a lot of what Cody was doing. Um, and now we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm more interested to see what the next steps are. Yeah. It's something where it took a bit for me to like, okay, MJF is doing something a little different, you know I mean? Because he has been so reliant on the cheap beat and all of that. And it was when he brought up the anti-Semitism that he encountered in high school. That I was like, okay, now I know that this isn't necessarily like him just going for the, the, the cheap route. And I was with it. It was something where I like that they actually kind of did this now. Maybe it could have been something that would have held off until next week. Maybe do it like directly, like as like your go thing. It's like, I've always idolized you. And now I, and you let me down that way and that's why this that's what this has always been about for me is that i need to prove that i am like this and maybe that would work better then but i think like for a few that i i i think it's fair to say that we deviate from the consensus a good deal this kind of provided the thing three months in that i kind of desperately wanted was like all right the whole disrespect thing just didn't wasn't really believable but like the fact that this is personal to MJF, and MJF has not really shown levels of a, a feud in AEW being inherently personal. And I thought that that really kind of added to it. But the thing that really kind of sold me on it was the way that CM Punk bought into it or was skeptical of it, and the way that like he came coming out and just immediately just saying loud enough, like, "Is this real or are you lying?" was the thing that kind of sold it to me. So I liked it. It was not going to be my elite, but I'm glad that you, that it touched you in that way. Cause I thought that like, this was like a big swing from MJF. And as someone that I'm usually more skeptical of MJF's promos, especially like the response to it, I thought that that was really solid. It was something that was much needed. Well, I don't want to disappoint the listeners. So of course I hated this. thought it was awful. Um, I don't think, okay, if I go down your road, Nate, that it was like to add a personal touch and get some sympathy for MJF, I don't understand why you would do that in this story. 
But I also don't think that's what's happening. Like, I assume next week they'll do something where he uses this to get one over on uh, Punk or whatever. And I don't understand that either. Like, what would lead CM Punk? That, honestly, when Punk came out and did that, that's when it went really downhill for me. Which is like, what would lead CM Punk to ever think MJF would do anything genuine? He has never, his character has never been genuine in AEW for one minute. It's always been something to get over on somebody. So I don't get why Punk would buy into this whatsoever. I thought it made him look like a big dumbass. And he's going to look like a dumbass next week when MJF uses it against him. So it just didn't succeed on any level for me. See, I don't think it's going to make him look like a dumbass. See, that that is, uh, you know, I think that is maybe the obvious thing to do is have this, you know, be a tactic to draw Punk in so we can get a shot in on Punk or whatever. But, you know, first of all, he, I think, delivered it convincingly enough that CM Punk could buy into it. Like, oh, this is the first time he's being genuine. Like, oh, I really hit a nerve on this guy with the photo. And, uh, you know, now he's he's letting everybody in to see an, a one true aspect of MJF. Uh, and, you know, when you bring in heavy topics like anti-Semitism, it, you know, a, a good person is inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt more often than not, I think. Um, and, the, you know, it's also very personal to see in punk because it's not like, you know, we're not the people on the outside that are looking at MJF and going, oh, well, he's a, he's, you know, getting one over on CM Punk. This is all part of his, uh, ingenuine persona so that he can get the upper hand. Uh, but the CM Punk, it's like, no, you were the guy that I took this photo with. You were my hero. You were these things. And you were the guy that ultimately disappointed me and, you know, ruined my life or whatever. So I don't think it makes CM Punk look like a dumbass to, to give the guy a shot to be decent. Uh, it makes CM Punk look like a decent person to do that. Uh, and then, you know, maybe you wrong the baby face and then MJF an even more dastardly heel and CM Punk the sympathetic baby face. I mean, yes, like logically, I, I hear what you're saying and I can see that as an idea. It just doesn't, with these two characters specifically, it just doesn't work for me that either of them would do what they did here. That's the part I don't like. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get to a point with you where you will find something you like with MGF. He does stuff I like. He has matches I like. Uh, That's true. Certainly had, I mean, very few, but sometimes in a promo, I've I've liked uh, what he does. But yeah, no, I've I've thought this whole thing has been very bad uh, until last week. I thought Punk's promo last week was very good, and I was I was drawn into that. But, you know, what? I'll wait and see what this comes of this next week. You know, I'm not I'm trying not to just cut myself off to it completely. I was able to enjoy the thing they did last week. So I hope it'll be good. That'd be excellent. I'd be happy about that. Uh, But, yeah, I'm skeptical at this point. All right, Mike, your turn, bud. What was your elite pick from this week's Dynamite? Do I want to say what my the thing that popped me the most, or do I want to say the thing that I think was most legitimately good, Aaron? Hey, man, that's dealer's choice. All right. 
I thought that the entrance that Penta Obscuro and Alex Abrahantis did was one of the funniest things that they've done. Alex Abrahantis just like fold out, like replacing Vampiro as the deathmatch Pope. Nate has Nate's beside himself by how much I've enjoyed this. It was like the most, it, it was something that just like, yeah, I knew that they were going to do something like this, but like the amount of thought and care that they put into this entrance, P- Penta peering up over the, uh, the chair starting it and the fact that Alex Abrahantis did not break character at all during this entire match. That was the thing that I was like, Oh, like, yeah, Danielson versus Garcia. That was an excellent match. The promo with Eddie and Jericho. That was an awesome promo. Eddie got to eat someone's lunch. I, I will remember just how insane Alex Abrahantis looked in this for a while. It was just it, it it tickled me in in a way that like I've been vibing all day off of like the breath of Nassauism and I just like this was a thing that just continued my good time today was just this entrance and just how insane Alex Abrahantis was. Well, you know, I have a staunch uh stance against making Alex Abrahantis your lead pick. This has been established. Um it was pretty good entrance. You know, I like Penta, you know, always delivers on these things. He always just the the character design, his his intensity with the face, the mask, the paint, all of that's great. The whole, you know, thing where he's rising from the grave and bringing out his old uh, Lucha Underground uh, version iteration of his character. Uh, those are all nice touches. I'm not sure how I feel about Abrahantes here, really. Um, his face was painted all white. That was funny, I guess. Uh, he had like a, like a, uh, a swigging thing on a rope, you know, like a lantern or something. I don't know what it was. Some, some religious element there. Uh, it would have been, he should have continued to swing that throughout the match. I think at ringside and just been on pure, I don't know what it is. Is it a Catholic gimmick that he's swinging back and forth? Wait, I thought you were Catholic, or you're brought no. up Catholic. No, brought up Lutheran. Okay. Um, so I don't know. You know, not a ton of pomp and circumstance. You know, we got the we got the theses. We don't have the grottos. Um, and the red door. Don't know how many red doors. Uh, <laughs> all Lutheran churches had red doors. I thought that was a thing. Oh, I wonder if that's a thing. I don't think that's a thing. <clears throat> Maybe it was at one time. Um, they, at one time they, they zoomed to Abrahantes and Jr. was like, he's really committing himself to this role. She's like, you're not supposed to acknowledge that they're acting Jr. really. It's like Eddie being like, what is a baby face? Um, so yeah, yeah. I like, you know, I like everything Pentagon does. I can't give this a full throated elite because, uh, because of the Abrahantes element. Also, they added another lights out here to do Pentagon's entrance and just too many lights outs. They did like six in these 10 minutes or something. And it, I, it just confuses the crowd more than anything. Um, but yeah, and that's, Jim that's Ross. where I stand. And Jim Ross. I, Nate, I'm not sure we'll ever find anything you like about Alex Abrahantes. Yes. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stating that for the record. <laughs> I'm laying that out clearly. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, you can't you can't just take the QVC guy and be like, okay, he's he's spooky now. 
You have he's to. The new, he's the new Deathmatch Pope. Come on. No, I reject that. You can't do Vampiro like that. Vampiro deserves better. You know, I, I grew up a Baptist, but I've converted to Lutheranism ever since the Chaos Project. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't have, I don't have anything to add, actually. I thought it was uh, funny and therefore good. And yeah, Penta was excellent. I just, I want them to do a fucking, uh, casket match or whatever it was called in Lucha Underground. I just think this should end in a casket match. That's it. That's my thought. My elite pick, uh, you guys left a lot of meat on the bone. Is that a... Is that an idiom? I think it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. A lot of meat on the bone here. I, an action, uh, <laughs> A promo that I thought was really good. The Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho segment on this show. A little long, to be sure. Jericho probably, you know, kept going after they'd already made all the points they really needed to make. Uh, but two guys just doing real shit. Like, I 100% believe that... Chris Jericho thinks a lot of those things about Eddie Kingston. Uh, you know, even if he does think he's been good in AEW, I'm sure he has a lot of those thoughts or, you know, it plays on some real things. And of course it plays on a lot of real things uh, for Eddie, but they were personal and genuine and, and real. It got me excited for this match. It very clearly, I, I lost all of my concern that Jericho was not going to put over Eddie in this segment, it's like, oh, yeah, he's really playing this up uh, so that it hits even harder when Eddie beats him. So I just thought this uh, succeeded completely. Excellent segment. Yeah, I really like this segment. Um, I'm a little surprised to hear you say that they were both genuine. I mean, I guess you're wrong. I guess you're right that Jericho probably believed a lot of the things that he said, but you know, Jericho's at a, at a point in his fame and existence that kind of nothing he does really comes across as genuine to me, but that's, you know, that played into the strengths of this segment, which is that as soon as this feud started, we knew this segment was going to come. We knew exactly what would happen. We, we knew exactly what did happen, would happen. Uh, and that was, you know, Eddie Kingston just ate his lunch because Eddie Kingston just goes out there and he's, totally real and totally genuine and, and totally sincere. And, you know, of course he's also performing and doing stuff, but uh, never comes across as anyone other than the guy that he is. And you just feel it through the television. Um, and that's exactly what happened here. And consequently Eddie Kingston, you know, mostly ate his lunch and it was awesome for that reason. Uh, also awesome was Eddie, you know, taking all these shots of sports entertainment saying he doesn't want to do this sports entertainment bullshit, um, which is, uh, funny as a specific shot against, you know, WWE and their brand of television. Uh, but also ironic if, you know, if you think of sports entertainment as just American pro wrestling, it's like, but Eddie, you're, you're great at this. So why wouldn't you want to do this? Um, you know, he also takes shots at the booking says he needed to book a women's match instead of this bullshit. That's funny. Um, and yeah, you know, every, everything that Eddie did here was magic pretty much, you know, uh, had five or six different laugh lines and not like, not like punch lines that are set up and laid out like a pro wrestling disc, but just genuine Eddie being funny moments. Jericho, on the other hand, you know, uh, probably 
played it the best way that he could. You know, he was trying to look totally unshaken and unflappable and just, you know, acting like, oh, I'm, I'm confident I'm in control here the whole time when Eddie's eating his lunch, which is, you know, probably the best way he can do it because he's, you know, he's just totally disconnected from anything. <laughs> I think, you know, Jericho's idols are all those old rock stars who got old and lost touch with reality and became just parodies of themselves. Those are the guys he still thinks are cool. So of course he is what he is at this stage. Uh, and it, it works perfectly for that character. Uh, but that character, you know, can't go toe to toe with Eddie Kingston in a spot like this. So yeah, I mean, it was a perfect advancement of this perfect way to set up the stakes for these guys going into this match. Um, but yeah, you know, Chris Jericho's out there doing his pre-written stuff about, oh, this is going to be really deep. I'm going to talk about how he's a loser. He always will be. He can't win the big one. That is like a pro wrestling trope is is what he thinks is like the stiffest shot you can give a guy. And Eddie's just being Eddie and, and telling him the truth and, and you know, looking him in the eyes and uh, uh, appealing to the crowd. And it's just he's, he's on another level entirely. So, yeah, this was... I think about as good as it could have gone. Also, Jericho uh, refused to mention Cody by name. <laughs> that was funny. He called him what's his name, I think. Yeah. Was, they took another shot at somebody in this, didn't they? Oh, there was like, uh, they, they, they took a shot at Triple H. Yeah. They called him Levesque. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I want you to be that guy your good friend Levesque hates so much. Um <laughs> It just yeah, was those so were cool. those were all fun. Call, telling him to to go back to the old good Chris Jericho, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's something to where you could also tell that Jericho was really feeling it. Like Jericho, you could tell when Jericho is like super jazzed about like a feud or about an interview. But like Jericho, he gets like a special like twinkle in his eyes. You know, he 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 might have done some surgeries. You know, I mean, he he wants to look good for this. And then, yeah, it, the, the fact that he knows that Eddie is the kind of, I mean, Eddie is a wrestling nerd. And I mean that in like all the positive connotations. He knew that Eddie was going to bring up Tenru and war. Like, that's just something that like, you know, like Jericho's like, oh, he's going to bring that up. And of course, Jericho has a list of every match he's ever had. So he digs it. And, you know, it, it's something about like Eddie's awareness of himself and his, uh, just command of crowds that always takes me aback with him. And especially in like AEW, I mean, we're still really, I mean, he's been around in AEW for 15 months, maybe, maybe a year and a half. And then one of my favorite things with Eddie is like, whenever the crowd is like going nuts for him when he comes out, he always looks taken aback for a second. And it's something that I find incredibly endearing. And that got me into like the right headspace for this promo that y'all hit all like the big notes about it. I, I dug it a whole lot too. All right. Our uh, listener elite. Uh, also, we left a big one here. I'm going to double up uh, our patron Chelsea elite Danielson Garcia and Thoros added this elite, their portrayal of Danielson as a guy who can naturally play the heel or face role in any angle without a turn. So, you know, the match and the whole presentation, everything here was great. Yeah, great match. Kind of the sequel to last week's match with Moriarty, where it's like, well, here's the guy who's further along the uh, learning spectrum with respect to violence. And 
you know, a guy who I think probably has more reps than Lee Moriarty. And he, you know, tries to go toe to toe in terms of the striking with Danielson and just some really nasty stuff in this match. Also some very sick technical uh, submissions and reversals. Uh, I think there was an especially cool reversal of a reversal that Garcia, I think, did during the ad break. Really, I think most of Garcia's best stuff was in the ad break. Uh, if there was in picture in picture, crowd really missed out on the loudest chops of the night. But yeah, I mean, this was this was, I think, maybe even better than the. Yeah, I think definitely better than the Moriarty match. Honestly, this is. I don't often say this about the show, but this is a match that could have used three or four or five more minutes uh, before the finish. But you know, you you want to continue to establish that Danielson's a, a level above all of these guys, even if they're in the main event here. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Danielson character is tremendous because it's like not a character. He's like, <laughs> he, 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 you know, all the, all the things I like on this show and really in pro wrestling in general, because they are the antithesis of what WWE does are the things that are real. So MJF actually getting seemingly real for a minute. His promo was a highlight. Eddie Kingston just being real is always a highlight. And Brian Danielson just being real and being himself and not being, you know, in a, brightly lit with primary colors, corporate symposium, you know, SmackDown event or whatever, uh, is always awesome. And he just seems like a total sadistic fuck. Uh, <laughs> and he brings that to his matches. Um, and it, it's very compelling pro wrestling. Uh, and you know, Daniel Garcia, maybe this was also real or maybe this was just him playing this part of the role was like trying to compete on that level, but could not. <laughs> and you, you know, you could see it from the earliest, uh, exchanges where Danielson's doing his European uppercuts or whatever, and Garcia fires back at him. Uh, and, and certainly his strikes, I think, were better than Moriarty's the other week. But you still see the the difference in in proficiency and violence there, where it's like, well, you know, Garcia's not really coming back at him with the same ferocity that Daniel Bryan Brian Danielson puts on those European uppercuts. So, yeah, uh, very good main event. Always good. To, I mean, these Danielson matches, you can always count on something to sink your teeth into and really like enjoy the, the match, enjoy the, the psychology, enjoy the, you know, submission exchanges and the wrestling of a wrestling show where, uh, you know, for a lot of other guys, it's like, you know, you know what it is, you know what it's going to be, you know what it's going to look like. And you just kind of hope that uh, they execute it to uh, the best of their ability. Yeah, this was just the light. I mean, just like the little things, like the fishing stretch was something that I was like, all right, Brian Danielson and his element, you know, being able to be like, all right, I'm my knee has been worked on. This is like the third time that Garcia is going for the dragon screw and said, I'm going to like put all my weight on my bad knee and then completely lay, lay out and then go straight into the stomps into the finish. It's just sick stuff. Like the, it, it was something that like, a lot on the show actually kind of bothered me or didn't hit for me. And I was like, oh, I would have loved to see another five minutes. You could take in five minutes here or there and give it more of this match because these guys operated on the wavelength well expected. And, you know, the post-match angle was sick as hell too. I mean, it it was like, I feel like that was like the first overrun or like true overrun they ever had. And it felt like a big thing with Moxley and Danielson with that. And it just was a win across the board. Got to do the overrun into Go Big Show. Uh, just, I don't know if it was uh, pettiness, but if it was, I support it and respect it on every level. Yeah, Danielson is fascinating because as I've kind of 
mutated away from caring about work rate stuff as much, his type of work still hits, like makes those same synapses fire as like they ever have because it's just violent, which is the whole, you know, that's the story. That's the text they're also telling us, but uh, it is, it's very fun to watch. And yeah, as you were saying, Nate, the big, my big takeaway from the match itself was like, oh, Daniel Garcia is definitely a step or two ahead of Lee Moriarty. Um, and looking on their cage matches, I think Moriarty actually started about a year earlier than uh, Daniel Garcia. Uh, but I have no idea as far as like how many matches they both had or whatever. But yeah, so I was like, okay, he definitely isn't obviously on the same level as Danielson, but he didn't look out of place or like he didn't belong. Like he, he looked comfortable in the ring. He just hasn't gotten to that level of being able to knock the shit out of somebody and, uh, and be okay with it. But I, f- I feel good that it'll get there. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's delete some stuff. Nate, what was your least favorite thing from the show this week? I don't know. What else was on this show? Um, well, we had the battle Royale. We started the show with, yeah, I don't want to delete that. The tag. If you just list everything now that we don't have to do a whole recap. That's true. I guess, you know, the thing that didn't grab my interest, I don't, I, it probably wasn't even necessarily bad. Uh, but the 10 versus Ricky Starks match, I was just like, yeah, I don't, you know, there's probably not going to be anything here that I'm going to need to remember in a week's time or whatever. Um, you know, they did a neat little finish with 10 getting his famous full Nelson locked in a couple times. Uh, and then Ricky escaping with the mask being pulled. So, you know, he, he distracts 10 and then can get the one with the spear. So that was a nice little cute finish to do. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's kind of the, the, the difference uh, that I was talking about with the Danielson match where it's like, you know, those guys are, are competent. You know, I wouldn't, there's not going to be a 10 match at this point in his career where I'm going to perk up and go, Oh, I got to see that. You know, like he's still coming along uh, and, and is by no means like a liability or anything in the ring. He's totally capable of having a uh, totally competent match here. Um, but yeah, you know, you just kind of knew from this match being announced that, uh, Starks was going to advance and this is what it was going to look like. And, you know, the fine details of it, uh, I, I just didn't, I really need, I guess. Yeah. This is kind of, uh, as soon as it was announced, it's like, are we going to go completely, uh, just ward throw and just having just big guys in this ladder match? And I was like, Oh, they're not going to put 10 in this. Like with Ricky, like they're not going to have 10 pen Ricky Starks. And I was like, all right. Yeah. And then this match, I mean, it's just near impossible for me to really care about anything involving 10 at this point. And I, and I like Ricky Starks a whole lot. The finishing stretch, as you said, Nate was really smart just like, because he wasn't going to get him off the Rochambeau to work it that way. was really kind of cool. And then we, we got to have Ricky and Keith Lee do a backstage promo, which was good. So, yeah. This match was not good, though. I used this match to pay more attention to the Kentucky basketball game. So I don't really have anything to say about it. Uh, Mike, what was your delete pick from this show? 
All right, this battle royal starting the show just went on forever. It just kind of was there. You, you, you then like, like we know that like they were building to. As soon as they announced it was a triple threat, it was like, oh, it's going to be Bucks versus uh, uh, Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express. That's what it has to be. That's what we've been up to. So it, you had like the very trite way of uh, Kyle Riley baiting Matt Jackson into tossing out John Silver and them both there. It just did not feel very satisfying and it and i just you've had santana who i know that we might be a little bit higher on santana and ortiz than overall like clearly we're higher on them than tony khan is but um, the you, the crowd seemed pretty high on them right yeah like the crowd's invested in them and then you just have santana just jobbed out and like just a completely like just like oh yeah and he's out of here and it's just like you had two weeks ago, Santana had the promo of his career. Like he felt like a star. He got the win last week against Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, although is not, he is no Ironhead Fujita, but he does not drop a lot of falls in AEW. They still matter. And you immediately wash that out with this dumb battle royal that, you know, I mean, unless you're going to go full bore with them, like, yeah, you had like all the named battle, the named tag teams in this battle royal, but it just like, it was just used as really a device that Red Dragon and the Young Bucks aren't on the same page. We've known that for months. You did not need to do this. Like, if you wanted to make this a three-way tag team title match, then make it the style that both of them have claims for the title and just book it that way. You don't need to just have this show set up this way with, like, 20-minute battle royal. But luckily, the stuff with Hangman at the end of it, the promo of Hangman, this was a good promo night. Hangman had a great promo there, but... The Battle Royal, the first 20 minutes of the show being devoted to something that has been going on forever, and it just did not really work. And then the addition of Santana just feeling like a zero in this, just kind of. It, it set off the show in not a good manner that luckily it was able to to overcome for me. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I pretty much enjoyed this. I kind of cheated, though, um, because I went on the Fight app to turn the show on. Uh, and I refreshed it and kept looking and, and went into the AW menu, went into my subscriptions menu, uh, and went into the live events menu and just could not, for the life of me, find this episode of Dynamite. And I could see last week's episode of Dynamite, and I could see the episode of Dark, and I could see next week's episode of Rampage, or you know, this week's episode of Rampage, and next week's episode, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and for like four or five minutes, I was on fight trying to find this show, and could not find it. And then finally, just uh, having given up on any ideas, uh, I clicked the poster for Revolution. Uh, and that was the episode of Dynamite. They put the Revolution poster on the image for this week's episode of Dynamite. I don't know why. Um, but so, yeah, I was, I think, four or five minutes late coming into this match. Uh, and from there, it was like, you know, you were mostly getting into the meat of the match. Um, so... There's a little cheat. If the match was over long, just uh, know that in advance and skip the first five minutes of it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, there was some good hard hitting stuff in this. Dax, FTR, I don't know, was mad about, um, you know, people on Twitter or something um, and was really laying a bunch of shit in and beating the crap out of people. Uh, I spent most of the end of this match kind of uh, in awe at, you know, how long these guys were in there having been hit hard so many times. Um, and 
Yeah, I thought the you know, main thrust of the end segment was pretty good where you had one guy from each of the big tag teams in there to finish it. I don't think they were that dismissive of Santana really um, because, you know, they gave him a big featured spot with Trent uh, and it got a big reaction from the crowd. So that was nice to see. Uh, And then, you know, he was going to war with Trent and he got undercut by the two heels teaming up to take them out. So, you know, if they're not, they're not going to have him win it, obviously, because, you know, we know what they're building to with this three-way tag match. So, uh, you know, they still, I think, gave him a fair amount of shine before having to eliminate him. Um, and yeah, so I, I thought it was, you know, not, not like one of their better battle royales. They're pretty, pretty good at booking those generally, but didn't, didn't mind it. It was, it was pretty decent. Uh, like you said, the post-match stuff, I think improved upon it. Uh, I complained last week that they didn't really let hangman do any of his cool stuff when he was just like, you know, being sad while Adam Cole was talking to him. Uh, so they pretty much rectified that. They had him come out, you know, beat up Red Dragon, uh, had him cut a good promo on Adam Cole here. Have to say, I enjoyed Bobby Fish's off mic heel patter in response to his promo where he was yelling, you know, vaguely comical things back at him. Um, you know, he's he's fine as a little flunky there to to be Adam Cole's, you know, uh, 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 yipping attack dog or something. I don't know. But yeah, that was, I think, uh, mostly I came away from that going, hey, you know, this company actually knows how to book a babyface pretty well. Like, they gave their their babyface champion a big save here at the, st- at the start of the show, beat the crap out of two guys, and then cut a good promo on the heel uh, and held the belt high. And it's like, yes, that's how you, like, <laughs> you know, make people like your guy because they think he's the best is, is what they did with Adam Page here. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I can see, I can definitely imagine how this would be too long, but, uh, I, I, I escaped it. Yeah. Very good sign that the crowd was rooting for Adam page when he and Adam Cole were facing off. Obviously Cole was insanely over. And so that's like, Oh, that's good. This is working. So yeah, that's definitely a positive part of this whole segment. Uh, yeah, I was irritated about the Santana thing, but I think it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Nate, is that like Santana is real and we've seen the Young Bucks melodrama in several different iterations over several different companies. And it's just like, there was a time when I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think the, you know, the match with Omega and uh, Paige was a a match that I liked a lot. Uh, Plenty of stuff they did in New Japan with similar ideas or in Ring of Honor that I liked a lot. Uh, but I'm just kind of ready for something else. And I think Santana provides that at this point. So I would prefer that. Uh, but, you know, this is what we're getting. Obviously, the Bucks will win the match next week and they'll do the, the three-way that way, which um, I don't know. That's what's happening. So I have to live with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've made, they've staked out their little their little corner of melodrama wrestling, I guess. And, you know, they've been successful with it. Um, how well you think it's executed, you know, can vary. And I think it's probably varied between a lot of those stories they've done. But one thing you can't call it is, is it all real? Cause we all know it's, you know, I mean, maybe if they did a feud with, uh, with God and Tama Tonga, we could find something real for them to, <laughs> to really get heated about or whatever. Um, but, you know, them doing these feuds with, 
you know, these guys who they've worked with and, and, you know, been, been road buddies with for, you know, years or a decade or whatever it is, you know, you're not, you're not going to get any part of real out of that. All right. I didn't really have anything else I hated that we haven't talked about. So I'm just going to go into the listener uh, delete, which I don't agree with, but you know, I have to let all sides speak. You know, I'm pro free speech. We've been talking about that in the discord. Anti-free speech. I'm very pro free speech. So uh, our, our patron Tracy A deletes the whole Jade post match. Does anyone want to co-sign Tracy's take here? I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it it's something that maybe people are like. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to rationalize. I, Aaron, I, I Aaron didn't it. have a delete, and now he's throwing a patron under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Because of his failure to to get a delete. No, yeah. I'm I'm just like I'm pro free speech. Speech. I'm pro Tracy. And here I'm I'm gonna actually defend Tracy's take okay. right now, which is this: when, like, she's like, "Who's next? Who's left?" And ties music hits, and she's about to come out. It's like, man, they booked this division so poorly that it's like not that exciting to see Ty come out. It's like it felt like, you know, Dolph Ziggler coming out to challenge for whatever mid-card you know the intercontinental title or whatever because it's like oh we've uh cycled through all the people that we use at all and so here's ty again for another title shot so i I can buy it from that perspective for sure i can buy it from that perspective um i guess if i do have a i mean i i I was happy to see ty because you know i'm always interested to see whatever ty is doing um because she's always engaging but I did have a thing where I went, Oh yeah, Ty, it's like you, you get happy just cause it's so rare that you see her at all. I guess you just go, oh, all right, we get to see something with Ty. Um, and I was also reflecting on like, Oh, the last thing that I think the bunny did in this promotion was the awesome death match against Ty J right with Penelope. Uh, and then she comes out for this and she's no entrance. And I had a pretty good match with Jade Cargill, and I think they tried to establish and put over. This is the most competitive, you know, anybody's been against Jade Cargill. So I think they tried to protect the bunny there. Um, but, you know, ultimately she has to lose, of course. Uh, and then I guess I will. I, I can find a complaint with the post-match. And, you know, the bunny come or Ty comes out and the bunny attacks Ty because they just had the big de- death match I was talking about. Uh, and that didn't get that did not get the same spark of recognition from the crowd as the Santana and Trent face-off did. The crowd was like, oh, oh, you know, oh, she's attacking Ty, I guess. Okay. Um, so that didn't really land or work to the same degree, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you, you know, my uh, uh, most of these women, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to see her more. I, I can't believe that you can't find a way to, to pop ratings and you have, uh, you know, talented drawing women i couldn't agree more all right well i think that is elite or delete so let's run you think down. that helps like a, a willow nightingale that that eddie's like hey tony book willow nightingale and says it on the mic on television i think so Do i think you? it's good I, I wonder i think it 
I I mean, with Willow, I mean, she was in Ring of Honor and like things like this. So like, I, she was already a known quantity in wrestling. But I think it's something that they, she should have been signed before she signed Ring at Ring of Honor. I oh, think I mean, she was a. Oh, Tony's not going to book her anymore. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying it's good. <laughs> like her name, he, he said her name on well, television. So I think sure. it'll be good for her generally. But hmm. no, I don't think Tony Khan is going to change who he is. I mean, she's been on Dark, hasn't she? Yeah. 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 A lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I just wonder if, like, Tony hears that and, it, you know, gets a little Aaron Bentley spiteful about it. Yeah, I mean, I love spite, so I, I couldn't blame him for that. He's probably Do like... I... He probably didn't know who it was. Probably didn't mean anything <laughs> to him. The the leash you're given, Tony Khan, or the... the Benefit of the doubt is getting shorter and shorter. Um, well, with the women, for sure. I mean, yeah. come on. Do you want to speculate on his big business deal on the show? Absolutely. I, I, I think it's one of two things. I think either they're going to announce a full West Coast swing because it makes sense that if you have everything already out in Vegas to keep everything out there. Or maybe with New Japan's 50th anniversary, they might do a joint show out in the West Coast. Well, um, I mean, I think the first thing is probably, you know, likely uh, to some degree. I mean, three shows is already the most significant swing they've done on the West Coast with those shows being announced in Nevada. Uh, But he did, you know, kind of frame it as a singular business deal, whereas like a a series of dates probably wouldn't, uh, you know, be spoken of like, oh, I'm I'm reaching a big deal. I, you know, I, I hope they do do a big joint show with New Japan for their 50th anniversary. I, I was hoping they would do that. You know, New Japan had a date on the Garden, I don't know, two years ago uh, for a pay-per-view. Um, and they're doing all these other special 50th anniversary shows. So I would hope that they do that. Um, I guess the other, the thing that I brought up at a DM and then we, you know, started going around to the, other people started suggesting around the timeline uh, was there was a report that Jonathan Gresham was at this show. Um, you know, Tony probably wants to, you know, find a streaming service that'll pay him some money for more money for tapes. So if he's got the ring of honor library, that gives him more content to sell. And, you know, AEW's had a lot of shows already, but not a, you know, not a decade of shows or whatever. So, um, that would be cool. I think because, you know, Tony, obviously an old school ring of honor, Mark, and that would be that would be a better fate than whatever it's you know likely to peter out as in Sinclair's hands probably. I can think of two possibilities. One, he struck a, de- a deal to get uh, himself and QT into Smash Brothers. <laughs> two. He's signed no sour wrong guy. Hmm. That would be a big get. I saw in the timeline, is this true that he said somewhere it was at the level of the first dance, whatever this business deal is? Uh, I didn't see that. I did see somebody maybe paraphrase that or I saw those words in like a DM or something, but I didn't <laughs> didn't go further for the context. Not sure if it's true, uh, but if it is, <laughs> might have just funny. been a joke somebody made in a DM, and then we repeated it. Yes, on. now I'm reporting it as news. Obviously, well, you Na- are a natural. 
the natural yes. conclusion of all things. One of our jokes from a DM ends up being something that we actually say as news. I mean, I do that a lot, actually. <laughs> my brain bad. So I'm just like, I'm pretty sure this is true, actually, and not a joke. <laughs> All right. Here's the rest of the show. Uh, well, we talked about the first segment. I mean, okay, we've talked about... I'm not just going to go into random backstage segments. Everybody knows what happened. Okay, the tag <laughs> match we didn't really talk about. It was Malachi Black and Brody King against Pac and Penta. And Penta rolled up Malachi Black after a self-goop. And I guess the biggest deal from all this, after the match, we had one of the 30 lights out. And when it came back up, it was big match buddy, folks. Buddy Murphy. Buddy Matthews, I think he's called here. And uh, he attacked Pac and Penta and joined the House of Black. All right. Uh I have my very big opinions about Buddy Matthews, so do we want me to go off for a minute, or Nate, do you have any big takes about the tag match before I go off? Because I just, yeah. Um, I don't have, I mean, the, these House of Black matches are totally heatless for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, they're clearly supposed to be heels now, but I'm not sure the crowd has known that because they were supposed to be heels against Cody, but they kept getting cheered against Cody. Um, but Malachi black was like super hot for like three weeks. And now like he comes out and the crowd, you know, they pop for the spots, but they're like totally not invested and don't have a rooting interest until then. Uh, I do have to credit, you know, they did the self goop spot where Pentagon shut his mouth. And right when Malachi black was going to do the goop and they did show later that Malachi black did have like, a totally black tongue and everything. So I appreciate the commitment that he actually had the goop in there uh, and like washed it out with water later. That was all good. Um, yeah. The post-match was silly and not, I suppose I could have deleted this maybe, but you know, they do yet another lights out. Uh, Buddy Matthews shows up and then they do, like, oh, is, is Buddy Matthews going to attack Malachi? And Malachi's like, oh, I'm I'm scared of Buddy Matthews because of some WWE angle that nobody saw. Um, and, I mean, we already know he's in, like, he was on TV in their vignette last week. <laughs> so I don't know why they tried to do, like, oh, Buddy Matthews, what side is he on? Like, well, we already know they're adding a third guy, and we, we knew it was him. So that didn't land for me at all. Um, but he looked great. He looked fucking huge. He's got gigantic muscles and uh, super ripped abs. Um, you know, Mike Mike doesn't like him because he does Kenny Omega cosplay, um, which, you know, if you're going to imitate a guy's matches and style, um, you know, it's probably a pretty good guy to pick, especially at the time that he picked him when he was, you know, like the, the consensus most exciting wrestler in places like the observer and, and those, those circles. Um, and I've, you know, I've never seen him wrestle, so I can't say one way or the other, but he looks great. I, he does look completely jacked and that is a positive having like this big jacked up dude. You're not, especially when you have like two guys, you have Brody who's a, a bit thicker and tatted up and you have uh, Malachi who's tatted up and, not really that thick so like that's like a cool visual difference i just have no interest in 
Buddy Matthews. I think that had basically copied, unless you're doing like a comedy gimmick, just like saying like, I'm just going to do all of Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay's moves and make into matches. Like, that's just lazy to me. And I liked, I, I dug the dubstep Cowboys. Don't get me wrong. But just like going all in on this just completely disinterests me. And it's something that like, when he was like, push out of his comfort zone that okada match he had apparently stunk so you know it's just kind of showing like oh you got to kind of do your own thing it doesn't necessarily have the ability to do but th- this will build up to a trios match that i'm predisposed to like because it's phoenix and pack probably but i'm just <sighs> buddy matthews does not enthuse me if you're gonna get people from 205 live like like try to contract poach akira tozawa please like like get someone interesting I'll, think- I'll do this defense of um, of just doing Kenny Omega cosplay, which again I, I've never seen him wrestle, so I can't really say. Um, but this is a guy who was like trained in and brought up in the WWE system, where they to the to the degree that they teach you to wrestle or work at all, they teach you to wrestle their house style, which is not good or exciting. So I will give him credit to go like. I actually like wrestling. I'm going to watch New Japan. I'm going to watch, you know, whatever other promotions. And I'm going to find guys there that I like and I'm drawn to. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to teach myself to do what they're doing instead of what um, who's a, who's a WWE performance center guy I can take a shot at. Uh, 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 trying to name, see. <laughs> the first name of a, of a PC coach I thought of was Hideki Suzuki. And that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> don't take um, a shot at norman smiley god damn it <laughs> yeah <laughs> also yeah no, everybody loves norman so you can't do that well you know anyway so i, I i'll give him credit for that albert see he wasn't sure lord tensai um he wasn't happy <laughs> to just do whatever they wanted him to do and he he found another influence um so you know maybe maybe it is bad uh but you know maybe he's added some new tricks in the meantime um and I, I again I haven't seen him wrestle, so there's my blind defense. Well, I've said this before, so I apologize anyone who's heard this and remembers it, but in New Orleans when we were at that Lucha show, when we were leaving, he was standing in the back. He had been watching the show. So he definitely is a guy. I mean, he was looking for more moves to steal, I suppose, but that is that's wrestling <laughs> in a lot of ways. So uh, he is at least interested and in, like uh, is trying to get better. So I'll give him that. And I think it was Patrick Cosmos who said, I was never interested in Buddy Matthews, but now he's on steroids. So that changes everything. Uh, and I have to agree. I, I, I think maybe you did say that before, but I certainly didn't remember it. Also, I didn't see him there. Yeah, he was like just... As we were walking out, I he also was just, would not have recognized him. So. Sure, you never seen him wrestle. He was just standing yeah. up against the wall. I was like, oh, it's fucking big match buddy over there. He also yeah. wanted to see the, uh, what was the big match that ended up going like five minutes that we were all there to see? Oh, Flamita and Phoenix, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it, no, no, it was LA Park. LA Park was there and no, they, they were no, like, he oh. was in the big trios match, but they had the trios the, match was so sick. I forgot about that match. It was one of the best matches of all time, but because. They were so worried about that one. It was the Flamita match. Oh, that's went right. Really yeah. sure. Flamita and Phoenix was the big, you know, touring match. And yeah, it went like seven minutes or something. I mean, it was a cool seven minutes. Um, yeah. yeah, that trios match that I just had 
like Damien Damien six 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 just whipping guys over and over and chasing guys around and whipping them. That was I remember laughing a lot. Yeah, he that took was a, a weird card. Now I'm looking at it into the chairs. I thought he was dead. There was uh, a <laughs> yeah, that was a fun match. It was it rocked. All right, then we had uh, a video for the Brit Rosa feud. Basically, Rosa saying this time it's going to count when she wins. Good promo. This is what I wanted leading up to this match, Aaron. Yeah. Like, we needed no, to have this one thing, and we had it finally. All right. As I already admitted, I kind of checked out of the show for a minute, but the AHF- AHFO was backstage, and there's going to be some sort of tornado trios patch or something. Yeah, that's my understanding. I think it's going to be Sting and Darby and maybe Sammy versus, uh, I think it was Isaiah Cassidy, Andrade El Udolo, and Matt Hardy. And I don't know if it's Revolution or not, but they're like, oh yeah, you're going to win the title and then we'll have this match. All right, sounds good. Um, the Ricky Starks and 10 match. Red Dragon and Adam Cole were backstage. The Bucks interrupted. Kyle O'Reilly says, hey, you still got a shot next week. And they're like, yeah, they leave. Cole's mad at them. He says, hey, you two got to get along with the Bucks. We're friends. And the one funny part was he was like, tell them. Adam Cole's, I'm telling you. I thought that was a good line. I thought Kyle was pretty funny throughout this. Uh, Jade versus Bunny. We talked about. We didn't talk about Jade kissing Ty on the forehead. I thought that was really the highlight of the segment. I was always yeah. That's another thing I liked about the post match was Ty brought the intensity right away, and Jade, you know, just kind of dismissing her with a kiss on the forehead was a good touch. I liked the. Uh, I liked how they play, went straight into the finish after kick kicking out Matt Hardy and the the look on Smart Mark's face to thinking that he was going to get out of sliding the belt in the ring, but then Aubrey tossed him out too. That cracked me up and that went right into the finish. Like going, doing down the bunny hole into the jaded, the bunny had a good, oh crap, I'm about to eat this finish face. That was cool. Uh, Keith Lee was backstage with Alex Marvez, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs interrupted. Uh, we got a little Ricky promo to build toward the uh, ladder match at Revolution. Yeah, this was good. And then the main event. Uh, We didn't say a ton about the post-match. Danielson won with a triangle sleeper. 2.0 attacked. Mox made the save. Garcia was about to hit Mox with a chair, but Danielson grabbed the chair but didn't stop him from, like, going after Mox. Uh, But Garcia ate a paradigm shift. Danielson afterwards was like, hey, let's uh, have a match at Revolution, but don't be surprised if you're the only person bleeding. And that's how we went off the air. Yeah, that was a good character touch. Danielson says, you know, I, I wouldn't need this chair to make you bleed. Uh, so, you know, he's trying to mentor Daniel Garcia in the ways of violence. So he's like, yeah, no, absolutely go try and beat that guy up, but don't use a chair. Go, you know, try and bloody him with your fists or whatever. Just good Danielson character stuff, man. He's He's on point every time. Yeah, and you know it. It's also something where it's like, I want to get Moxley mad and want to like team with me. If you hit him with a chair, Moxley's liable just to take you to the next level. L- l- let's keep this with fists, Daniel. L- 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 let's keep this a little bit controlled here. But that post match was awesome. It worked great. Well, that's dynamite for this week. If you'd like our show, best way to support us is to go to over to Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. 
Uh, you know, the big thing uh, this month is we just dropped on Monday part one of This Is Sting, where Mike and I dug through uh, the first five years of Sting's career between Memphis, UWF, uh, a little bit of Crockett. It's a lot of fun. We went back through it all, dug through some observers for some funny notes, and uh, it's gotten a lot of great feedback from our patrons, so uh, you should check it out. There's going to yeah, be two no, more this parts was a blast. It. Yeah, this was an absolute blast to do, and I'm stoked to see where we go with this. I, I This is going to be something to top just incoherent Jim Hellwig promos that I'm getting potatoed by a out of shape Memphis wrestler who got insulted and called him a steroid head. But yeah, no, this was stoked. Uh, by the time we're done, we're, we're going to probably be like, what, six and a half hours on Sting? Yes. So get excited, everyone. Uh, of course, we also have our uh, light, our Dynamite preview show. We do world tour about Rampage on the weekends. Um, I think I've got to be back for Rampage or for world tour, I assume. I haven't been on. So surely to God, it's my turn this weekend. Should we check? It, no. It's you too. Yeah. Okay. Me and Nate this week end. Uh, we have a Discord. You'll want to do that. Uh, and, you know, I guess I shouldn't say this yet because it's still February, but of course, Revolutions next month will have content around Revolution. So head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, Rampage this weekend, the show that Nate and I will be talking about is going to have a Britt Baker Thunder Rosa contract signing, uh, face of the revolution qualifying match with Orange Cassidy versus Anthony Bowens. Serena Deeb's rookie challenge will continue and Sammy Guevara will defend the TNT title against Andrade. That's the match we don't really have for revolution, right? Is like, uh, is Sammy going to be defending the title at revolution? Well, neither of them will be. This match first. Yeah, because so. they're doing that tornado match. I, I just checked. That match is official for a revolution. Uh, Andrade, Hardy, and Cassidy versus Darby Sting and Sammy in a tornado six-man tag. So okay, there's no so TNT he's... title match there. All right. Yeah. Got it. Well, that makes some sense, I suppose. And then Dynamite next week at Daly's Place. We got the casino tag, Royale, and Hangman Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon. <laughs> Could not come up with their first names for a second. So that'll be next week. Uh, Mike and I'll preview that one on light. And of course, we'll be back next week to talk about that. And we're getting mighty damn close to Revolution. So we'll we'll preview that soon enough. I'm confident. Uh, but that's the show for this week. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Bikes at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. And remember to support the show by going to patreon.com slash everything elite and signing up. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. 